Jeremy last week spoke about the Great Commission in Matthew, and this morning we're going to be looking in Acts chapter 1, uh, uh, specifically verse 8, but I'm going to start with uh, just reading a passage from Acts chapter 1, 1 through 11. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. After he had given commands to the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and the cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So, in verse 9, or after verse 8, we basically see that that's the last thing Jesus says to the disciples, and then he's, he's gone. He goes up to heaven, and then they get some assurance there. But because that's his last words, it seems like it, it's pretty weighty. So we go back to ver, uh, verse 8, and that's just where we're going to kind of start this morning. Um, one thing about uh, verse 8 is the language to me is a little bit tricky. Maybe it's not to anybody else. But it says that, uh, but you will receive power. Uh, let, me, let me find it here. All right. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and all Samaria. So if we don't read it right, or if we don't think about it, we could get the order of what Jesus said is going to happen out of whack. Right? So that's what I want us to look at first. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. So what happens first? It's not that you will receive power, but that the Holy Spirit will come upon you. That's kind of the, the point I want to get at. The Holy Spirit will come, and then you will receive power, and then you will be my witnesses in Judea, or in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So, first things first this morning, I kind of want to look at that, that last part, what it means. Like, the Holy Spirit is going to come, he's going to give us power to do what? To be a witness. What does that mean? What is a witness? I think that that word, maybe I'm wrong, I think that word gets a little clouded today, especially in church world, because we say, go be a witness, right? And so maybe we just automatically get something in our head. I don't know. So I want to clarify what it means for, uh, for us to be witnesses. What does it mean to be a witness? Um, we looked at Luke 24, 44 through 48 a couple weeks ago. That Jeremy was, I think that was Easter Sunday, actually. That's what uh, Jeremy spoke from. But we're going to go back there because... Luke wrote Luke, and then he wrote Acts. That's kind of like the second book, as we just saw at the beginning. There. And, uh, and this kind of gives us a little context for what he means by witness. So Luke 24, 44 through 48. Now, then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. 
So right there, he kind of tells us what they're witnesses of, what it means to be a witness. It means that you saw this thing, these things happen. These things that happen are, one, I claim to be the Christ. I claim that I was going to fulfill all the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. And I claim that I would do this by dying and then rising from the dead. Um, and that that meant, and that I said that this is what it meant, and that is what it meant by fulfilling the scripture and by me doing that, that it meant an opportunity for repentance and forgiveness for sins uh, for all the nations. So you're witnesses that I said this, and then you're going to be witnesses that that happened, or that that did happen. You are witnesses that that did happen. You saw it happen, right? So that's what it kind of means to be a witness. You know who he was, that he was the Christ. You know what his purpose was, was to fulfill the law, uh, and the, everything that the scripture had said up to that point. He was uh, here to to fulfill the promise of redemption of God's people back to a right relationship with him. And, uh, and you have an understanding that in his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension, it meant that Jesus had actually done what he said he would do. That he fulfilled the, perp, that he fulfilled the law. He paid for our debt for sin. He rose again, claiming victory over death, uh, that we might live in righteous relationship with God. Through Jesus Christ, who is king. Wordy, sorry. Anyways, it's important to know that. And I also find it interesting that, you know, they were eyewitnesses to the thing. Luke says you were, you know, in the book of Luke that we just read, it says you were, you are witnesses to this. When I said these things and I did these things, I'm back. The things I say are fulfilled are fulfilled. And it's possible now for people to repent and be forgiven and know me and be in right, righteous relationship with the Father. But then in Acts where we just read, it says, you will be witnesses, right? I don't know. It seems it seems curious to me, and I and I just wonder if maybe it's because they actually were witnesses of it. They had seen it, but they didn't yet fully comprehend it. They didn't fully yet get it, because it seems that if an honest understanding of what had happened and what they had seen, what it, that what he claimed to be and what he had claimed to have done, would have caused a person to proclaim that truth by being repentant by you know, uh, being forgiven and that their life would be so changed, free from sin, uh, able to love others, in righteous relationship with God, that, uh, that their whole life would proclaim the truth. And I'm not sure that they were there yet. So, hold off on that for a second. So, my point is that they, they weren't able to be a witness yet. They had seen the thing, so they kind of were witnesses, but they weren't able to be a witness in the point that they could, like, testify to somebody else that that had happened and it had been fulfilled because they didn't totally yet get it. And I'll show you that in a second. Uh, the second part is that they're going to receive power. Uh, so what is a witness is to, to, to have seen it? The second part is they're going to receive power to be a witness. Uh, and this is, this is a confusing word also, power, because in Acts chapter 2, which is where my mind always goes, and all kinds of stuff in the Old Testament when I hear the word power, I think of like, you know, in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes in power, and we see, like, people with flaming tongues, and, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. There's pillars of fire in the Old Testament. I mean, that's powerful stuff, right? And so we say, the Holy Spirit's going to come in power. And he did to the disciples, right? But I think that that word makes us think of the signs and wonders, the fire coming from the sky, speaking in tongues, and that kind of thing. But I think there's a better... Maybe there's a better word for that. And in some translations it actually says, instead it says power, it says ability. You know, he'll come and give you ability to be a witness 
for Jesus Christ. <clears throat> I think it's a better word. I think it, at least it is for me and for my understanding. We all understand what ability is. Jason has the ability to play guitar and sing. I, mean, I apparently have the ability to at least speak. I'm not sure I have the ability to preach. You know, you have the ability to, I don't know, do whatever you do for work. We all have different abilities. Um, so we kind of understand what ability is. It, it's a skill. It's something that we can and are able to do. And what it basically is saying is that uh, you're going to be a witness, but you need to receive the ability first because you don't have the ability to do that. So what is the, uh, what is the ability that you're promised? Just simply substituting that word. And in some translations, you'll see this. Uh, in Acts 8, 1, 8, it says, but you will receive ability when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So your ability is to be a witness of Jesus. That's what we're going to be given. Or that's what they were going to be given, I should say. The question is, is, did they really need any more ability? I mean, they had seen everything. And they, I mean, he already said they had seen it. And I mean, this is the disciples we're talking about. You know, they had already seen some stuff and been a part of some stuff. It was pretty cool. Did they really need some, that, that ability given to them? promise I'm going somewhere, so just stick with me for a second. Okay. So, uh, did they really need their ability? Well, just before that in the passage, right right before Acts 1-8, uh, in Acts 1, 4 through 6, Zach, okay, Zach asked me to point out to him what I was going to read. Anyways, so Acts 1, 4 through 6, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John the baptized or John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he's like, that's not for you to know. That's not even the point right now. But you will be, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and you will be given ability to be my witnesses to the whole world. So right before this, very, this verse, they demonstrate the lack of understanding, right? Because Jesus didn't come to, uh, you know, Jesus didn't come to restore the kingdom to Israel. Jesus had, he just told them that he had done so much more than that. He had fulfilled all the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. He had come to once and for all be the priest that Israel never had been. The one who was able to, like, tell the whole nation, tell all the nations about God and to bring all the other nations into right relationship with God. Uh, he came to set, set us free from the law, to set us free from sin, to overcome that, to give us life again, to put us back into righteous relationship with the Father. Israel wasn't able to do that. He came to establish his kingdom. Um, certainly, Israel's part of the story, right? But I, I feel like they had totally missed the point. Um, sorry, I lost my place. All right. So they demonstrated the misunderstanding of what Jesus had really accomplished by asking about the kingdom, the power being restored to Israel. Jesus wasn't here to restore power to Israel. He was here to be a priest for Israel. I already said that. So clearly, they were eyewitnesses to what had happened, but they also clearly did not understand what they had witnessed at this point. And then Jesus kind of said, don't worry, I'm going to I'm going to send you the power and send you the ability and, and, and all that. So, how so? By the Holy Spirit. And this is the good news for the disciples, and it's good news for us too. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Uh, in order for them to be a witness of Jesus, he will clearly have to supply the ability to do so. 
he will clearly have to make them understand what they've seen. He will clearly have to make them get... Even in that Luke passage, we see that Jesus had to open their eyes in that point to, to make them understand. Uh, anyways, he's going to have to clearly be their ability to, to be a witness for them. So where does the ability to be a witness come from? The Holy Spirit. Paul, in Ephesians 3, 14 through 19, I think it, it, it helps me understand a little bit. He, say, he says this, and we've, we've actually gone through this um, in, a, in a series we've been in for a while in Ephesians. He says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be fulfilled with all the fullness of God. So we are given strength through the Spirit in our inner being. We're given ability or power through, through, our, through the Spirit in our inner being so Christ can dwell in us, so we can comprehend and understand the love of Christ. So we can be fulfilled with God, so we can be filled with godliness, so we can be like Him, so that we can be witness of Him with not only our words but our entire life. Right? That's written to the Ephesians. The Holy Spirit's already come. It's the same for the apostles, for the disciples. They're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come, so that this very thing can happen, that they can be filled with understanding, that the Holy Spirit can invade their soul, invade their their mind, and give them the ability to understand. So here's the truth for us. And I'm going to get practical here in a second. That's, that's actually the whole point of what we're doing today. Uh, <clears throat> where are we going? I'm sorry. Here's the truth for us. Is that you and I, just like the disciples, are called to be witnesses also. Right? The last thing that Jesus taught the disciples, just before he went, we talked about the Great Commission last week. It's the last thing there. It's the last thing that Luke's writing about. And the first thing in the book of Acts the last thing Jesus taught his disciples was they, that they were made for telling others about him. They were made to know him and to tell others about him. And part of teaching them all that he commanded, which we talked about last week, that we were supposed to teach them all that he commanded, how to observe all his commands, um, is to teach them to tell others, to tell others, right? So we are to make disciples and then teach them to go tell others and make disciples. You probably heard... Uh, Jeremy talked about that last week. This is the vision for the church. This is the vision I, I believe Jesus is presenting in Acts 1.8. Is that his witnesses of Jesus will be leading others to be witnesses of Jesus. And this is the vision. So we're getting there. This is the vision for Redemption Church. Right? Because we want to be a church that's all about leading people to Jesus to lead people to Jesus. Where are we going as a church? What's our vision? Leading people to Jesus to lead people to Jesus. I, I think, and I hope that you hear that, and I, I think it says a lot about what we're not. Right? We're not a, a, we're not a social club. We're not, we're not here to fill time or, or check off a box or uh, make friends or even do work for social justice. We may do some of these things. But we're here to meet Jesus, to lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus. It's all about leading people to Jesus. That's our vision for the church, is we want to be a church that together is leading people to Jesus Christ and leaving them there. And we have to... I'm going to get there in a second. Sorry. (laughs) So, 
So while we are also called to be a witness, just as the disciples were, and our vision is to lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus, um, we also have the same problem that the disciples have, is we can't be. Right? We also, just as disciples, are incapable to comprehend all of that, all that Christ has done. We weren't even there, so we can't be witnesses of what he does unless what Paul prayed for for the Ephesians happens for us, that the Holy Spirit invades our inner being and becomes our ability to know Jesus Christ. As the Holy Spirit invades our soul and enables us to get the picture, he'll enable us to respond as witnesses also, a witness who really understands what happened and it's changed her life. So here's the thing. Um, we're unable to be witnesses unless the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to do so. So we must engage the Holy Spirit. I like what John has to say about it in, um, in John chapter 14, uh, 15 through 21. He's talking about our relationship, our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is talking about our relationship with the Holy Spirit, not John, but he wrote it down. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and will love him and manifest himself, myself to him. So I feel like, I believe we must, as a church, if, we, if we're getting this vision of we want to be a people that lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus, we first have to learn to lean into the Spirit and understand that he's with us. Uh, we lean in the Spirit who's with us. He's been sent to us. If you're a Christian, if you've been saved, you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Jesus already sent him back. He's in you. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So we must learn to lean into the Spirit who is with us. He will give us the ability to see Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit's all about, is fueling us towards mission, to knowing Jesus Christ, so that we can tell people about Jesus Christ. Um, so, he will give us the ability to see Jesus, to know his love for us, and cause us to be witnesses of him in our love for others and in our keeping of commandments. So, if the first question to vision is basically, where are we going? We're going to lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus. Then the second question is, how do we do that? Uh, at Redemption Church, this is how we lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus, by teaching people to engage, lean into, and depend on the Holy Spirit who is with you from the time of your salvation, just as Jesus taught his disciples. This is discipleship, and this is how we foster it. Uh, mainly, by encouraging you to take part in, in several corporate acti- spiritual activities so that you're continually being pointed to Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit, through the scriptures, through each other, and through your prayers. <clears throat> so, I figured this last part, we're going to get out, like, super early, apparently, right? I'm just going to, we got a little bit of practical stuff here, okay? Uh, 
I want to take a moment just to like go over what, what it is we do at Redemption Church to foster that leaning into, that engaging in that, that, uh, that, that dependence on the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand, I'm hoping, the whole point of this morning is to understand that because our vision is to lead people to Jesus, who lead people to, to lead people to Jesus, and we feel like you do that by depending on the Holy Spirit because the, the Holy Spirit will fuel us towards that mission, then we have to foster that environment for you to do it. And so the things that we do aren't just things that we do because we're a church and you got to have some stuff, right? We don't just gather on Sunday mornings and do like missional communities because that's like the cool thing to do now or DNAs or, or ask you to sign up for volunteer stuff because that's just what we do or because we need to have some stuff done or because churches have to have functions that they get together at or else they're not a church. I guess that's true, but that's not why we do them. There's a reason that we want you involved in the things that we are, we're doing. So a few spiritual activities that we want you to get involved with is one right here, Sunday morning gatherings. If you go through a foundation class, foundations class that we do for, if you're interested in being a member, you'll, you'll go through a lot of this. And so if you've been through a foundations class and have become a member, you should already know all this. But it doesn't hurt to have like a little refresher. So Sunday morning gatherings. Um, our gatherings on Sunday morning are an opportunity to express our faith together through singing, uh, scripture reading and teaching, and taking the Lord's Supper together. We meditate together on the truths of the gospel, God's beauty and holiness, our brokenness and need for humility. Uh, humility, grace, and healing, and the glory of Christ in uniting us to God, to one another, in love. We want to do everything that we can to help you to worship throughout the week. That's why you will see different elements used during the service. So, and I'm just reading this like this is from our foundations class. Okay, Corporate singing, call to worship, prayer of invocation, confession, responsive reading, reciting creeds together, preaching, communion, baptism, all of those things that we do together on Sunday mornings. These are, uh, we hope, these are used to help you to worship God in all of life between Sundays as you walk in the Spirit to know Jesus Christ. All these things that we do on Sunday, you come together so that we can all point each other to Jesus by taking part in these activities. We depend on the Holy Spirit. That's how we're engaging Him. Um, we point each other to Jesus Christ, and we depend that the Holy Spirit is going to fuel us towards that. Service teams, this is something that we have. Most of our service team stuff is on Sunday morning because this is the time when we're all together, and so you have the most things going on. Um, but your participating in the work of this ministry is not something we just plead for every week because we don't have enough people. That's something I really want us to understand. This is not, I'm not trying to get you guys to go sign up for volunteer stuff, although you should really go sign up for some volunteer stuff. Right? That's, not, that's, not, that's not why I put this together, but this is the truth of it. We're not doing those things, and we're not asking you to sign up just because we need people. We do need people, but that's not the reason. It's because we believe that if you get together with your church members here, your fellow Christians, and you serve, you come to serve, and you come and work beside them, but this is a place that you're allowing, you're, that's intentional engaging, engagement of the Holy Spirit, that's leaning into him, that's, that's like depending on him, okay, I'm here, I'm doing it, the Holy Spirit will use that, we believe that the Holy Spirit will use that to disciple you, to, to lead you to Jesus, um, we believe as you work together like that, you're going to be serving somebody, and I don't know if you've been on a mission trip or if you've gone to the soup kitchen or what you've done as far as service type stuff before. But most of the time, 
you know, you go to serve, and man, you're the one that really gets a whole heap of service, right? I mean, you're the one that comes away like just like your world is rocked. And there's something to that. When we go to serve, we're going to be taken care of. But oftentimes if we come to be served, we just really don't walk away with much. And nobody else walked away with much either because you didn't give them anything. I don't know. I'm harping on that. But that's why we do volunteer service. That's why when we ask you to sign up for children's ministry, when we ask you to work at guest services or greet or do security or whatever it is, um, we need those things done. That's true because we're all getting together. I kind of think of it as like this is our family time as a church for the most part. I mean, we have guests over for dinner too, but it's just like a big dinner. And everybody's supposed to bring something to the table and everybody's washing dishes afterwards. And there's something to that. All right. Anyways, we ask you to do that for your good, not really for, you know, just to facilitate a service. So, And I hope, I'm hoping that going through this, you're understanding that that means, so through Sunday morning service and then through the service teams, this is a place where we're engaging the Holy Spirit. And, and he's faithful and just to meet us there. He's, no, he's not going to meet him. We're not, like, summoning him to come to the thing. He's already there. We're just engaging him, right? And he's faithful to use that for us. He's going to point us to Christ through it. The other thing we do is missional communities. Um, these are, like, mostly geographical, uh, I guess, centered groups. Some of them aren't. Uh, but it's that's where you can go and get in a smaller group, you know, and you can have some Bible study, and you can get involved in serving your community uh, in, in your neighborhood. Let's see. I'll just read the thing. Missional communities are the primary means through which Redemption Church mobilizes people together on mission and connects people to a caring community. This is where we live out the mission of God together in a specific area or to a particular people group by just demonstrating the gospel in tangible forms and declaring the gospel to others, both those who believe it and those who are being exposed to it. To clarify, a missional community is not primarily a small group, a Bible study, a support group, a social activist group, or a weekly meeting. We come here to serve one another and others with the good news. We will find that the Holy Spirit is using each other to make Jesus known to us and others. It's the same thing we just said a second ago too. It's, we don't do the, we just don't do church just to do something. We do it to lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus. And we believe that in doing these things, the Holy Spirit will lead us there. Another thing that we do is discipleship, nurture, and accountability group. This kind of is like a, a, a little subgroup, maybe, of a missional community. Because missional communities are meant to be open. It says we're mobilizing people on mission, right? So that means you're out there, like, together, proclaiming the gospel. And, and discipleship, nurture, accountability groups are a place where it kind of fosters, you know, two or three men together or two or three women together, where you can have more of a closed time where you need just those three things, discipleship, nurturing, and accountability. Um, and so if you're a member, if you're not a member, you're kind of getting a good, I, I hope you're getting a good clue on, on what we're about at Redemption Church. And if you're a first-time guest, well, now you know what we're about. So, right. But uh, <clears throat> if you are a member, you've already signed a member com- covenant. And if you're not a member, you'd be asked to if you want to become a member. Does anybody know what it says by heart? I, I don't know it either. So, All right. It says, I will endeavor to maintain a close relationship with the Lord Jesus through regular personal Bible reading, prayer, fellowship, and practice of other spiritual disciplines. 
My commitment to follow Jesus Christ will be evident through my regular participation in the Sunday assembly and worship services, my willingness to serve where needed, and my involvement and fellowship with other members of the church body through a missional community. I think we covered it right there. You, you've committed to these things. I don't know if you know it or not, and that's cool. But I, I hope you still want to commit to that, those things. And I hope that I hope that we want to do it together, not to make this thing run, but so that we get to like be a part of what Jesus did in Acts 2. You know? We're Acts 29, so I don't know. After, after Acts. So we can be... Uh, no, I want to be a part of that. I want to see... I want to be a part of a church that's leading people to Jesus. To lead people to Jesus. Do you get what that looks like? I mean, that's, that's we reach people for Jesus, and we tell them all about who he is, and the Holy Spirit indwells them and makes them comprehend it and points them all the way to him, and then they're filled up with love for God and love for others. And so they go out, and they tell people about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit meets those, those people and uses that, engage, that engagement in the community to lead other people to Jesus so that they know Jesus and can comprehend him so that uh, they will love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and love others as themselves, and so on and so forth, right? That means growth. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about people in the seats. I'm talking about souls saved. That's what we're really supposed to be about. So, all of these are meant to help. All these things that we do at church, as, as Redemption Church, are meant to foster your engagement with the Holy Spirit because we know we are totally unable to be adequate witnesses for Jesus, but he is totally able. So in all these things, we point each other to Jesus and leave you there, totally confident that the Spirit always has, has been and always will be making Jesus known. We don't believe we are rubbing, this is something I, we don't believe we're running, rubbing a genie's lamp, right? We're not like getting the Spirit to move by doing these things. I believe he's already with us. And this is what he's up to. And we're encouraging him to engage him where he's at so that we get to be a part of what he's already doing. He's with us, and we're simply engaging our teacher. And he uses scripture, he uses prayer, he uses all those personal disciplines that we ask you to do on your own, but he also uses you with, with your friends and your church members. He uses each other. We are signposts to Jesus Christ. Point to him on purpose. Get involved with the things we're doing and lead people to Jesus. Lead the people to Jesus that are right next to you so that we lead people to Jesus. Anyways, that's my attempt at, at telling you about our vision and our mission, and, and I hope that, that's a little bit helpful. And that's a lot of practical stuff. If you want to get involved in something that you're not involved in, like you want to be on a service team or you want to be in a missional community or you want to get in DNA, uh, go to guest services. That's what it's there for in the hall. Or come talk to me. Or Yeah, come talk to me or go to guest services and one of us will get you in the right spot. There's lots of things to do. I know every week there's tons of sign-up sheets out there for stuff, so you can go sign up. Okay. Uh, would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for these people, and I thank you for, for what you're doing. I thank you for the vision that you've given us to, uh, to be people that are, are leading people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus. And if I hadn't said that enough, well, 
Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will give us the ability to do just that, to be witnesses. I pray that your Holy Spirit will give us the ability to know Jesus Christ, to be able to comprehend what is the height, the depth, the width of his love for us. We would comprehend like just how big that is and that it would crush us and that it would cause us to love God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And it would cause us to keep his commands and it would cause us to love others as we love ourselves. I'm praying that you fill us each up with godliness, that you continue to point us to Jesus Christ. And we're completely unable to clearly do that. So I pray that uh, you give us the ability, that you be the ability for us, your Holy Spirit. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.